The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. Uh, we are here. Uh, All-Star. Uh, the All-Star event is upon us. The uh, PWF, uh, or PHF rather, had their All-Star festivities yesterday. Um, and Olympic rosters have been announced uh, with at least one person that we've been tracking for heck, half a decade and wondering when uh, the NHL was going to get around to using him. Um, there's follow-up from last week's, uh, well, vile behavior. Uh, where do we want to go first? Uh, I'd normally say let's clean up last week's stories, but I kind of want to talk about the All-Star, as well, All-Star game as well, so I'm torn Oh, and we do also have some prospect uh, rankings to talk about. And uh, yeah, we're not, I don't say we start there. I think we should just uh, maybe we should just clean up last week and and then get started on get started fresh. Get the get the bad taste out of our mouth. That's an idea. Okay, so um, shortly after we uh, finished recording last week, the Jacksonville Iceman. Um, CEO actually issued a statement uh, via the social media of the of the team. Yeah, uh, and I think it's I think Andy Kaufman is. I hope. Well, I think he did the right thing. I hope he consulted with the team's legals uh, legal team before he did issue the statement and take this action. Because uh, I don't think this is something that anyone wants lingering. Uh, but the official statement, to be clear, our core values as an ownership group include one love and zero tolerance for racism or any other form of hate against any group whatsoever. The platform that is the Jacksonville Iceman is one that is more than just about hockey uh, to us as a group. It is about using this platform to spread not only our love for hockey, but our love for the community and for each other. Though the investigation and review is ongoing at the league level, the Jacksonville Iceman will be releasing the player involved effective immediately. We'll continue our mission of sharing our love of community and hockey. On behalf of the entire Iceman organization, we apologize to anyone who's offended and look forward to the beginning of the process of healing together as one. Thank you. Uh, Andy Kaufman, Iceman CEO. Uh, I, okay. I read this when we when we were finished the show. I found this on on the Twitter, and I'm glad that they took quick and decisive action with regards to the player. I'm glad that they took quick and decisive action with coming out with a statement. Unfortunately, the statement is not being as well received as I think Andy was hoping it would be, because of the way it's worded. Because they're apologizing to anyone who was offended and not apologizing to the victim, in this case, Jordan Subban, not apologizing to – people are starting to parse his words. Yeah, and you know that's always going to happen. Um, Unfortunately, I, yes. I, I do believe that he was acting in the best interest of the team, of the league, of the player – and taking quick and decisive action is great, especially when you consider that it took the ECHL 
another four days. They released a statement on Thursday. And on Thursday, they decided that uh, not only was he going to be released from the team, but nobody he's not going to be playing for anybody else because they suspended him for the rest of the season. Isn't that sad? <laughs> As it says here, and this is a statement right from it. This is a story right from AP. So no bias is involved or hopefully no bias. Uh, was released by Jacksonville, released by his Jacksonville team Sunday, a day after his actions towards Subban. Panetta said his gestures were not racially, racially motivated. <clears throat> Statement from the ECHL commissioner Ryan Krellen. Insensitive actions and gestures, regardless of intent, cannot be tolerated in our game. We all need to learn and grow from this incident and remain steadfast to further educating and advancing our commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion throughout our league. Now he can re- he can apply for a reduction of the suspension and reinstatement after March 17th, and I'm not sure why he has to wait until then. I don't know if he if there's if if it's like after their All Star break or something or before their playoffs or. It might be the projected end of his uh, required uh, training and anger management. Because, yes, that's the other thing he has to do. He has to, it's all pending a completion of a learning experience conducted in conjunction with the NHL's Player Inclusion Committee. Uh, I mean, the, the trouble with this is that I think I'm just surprised that it took four days i understand that they wanted to do an investigation the team reacted immediately and i think i expected the echl to follow suit i understand you want to get your hands on the video you want to do your due diligence before you take any action but there's video it's obvious there's not a whole lot of uh, of gray area here it's pretty cut and dry from what i've seen and it still took them four days. Now, Panetta is claiming that it wasn't racially motivated. In fact, the statement here says that <clears throat> my actions toward Jordan were not because of race and were not intended as a racial gesture. I did not complete contemplate at the time that it would be received as a racial gesture. And I attempted to convey this to Jordan when we were sent to the dressing room during the game. He was claiming that he did a tough guy bodybuilder gesture toward him. Because he was saying his quote to Jordan during the game was, you're only tough when the refs get involved. And then he made a bodybuilder type gesture. Not sure I believe it based on what I saw in the video. Uh, Does not look that way to me from the video. Um, I'm sure that there are people who will 100% agree with him. Um, I don't necessarily know that i want to associate with all of those people that being said i'm glad that they have a zero tolerance policy in place and even after four days they made the right decision and he's not going to be playing hockey for a while thank you very much have a nice day uh the other the other story was the uh christoph rabbik who was suspended 30 games but they moved rather quickly on that one i think i know it happened like on december tw- on january 12th but 
it, it, it's happening too frequently. This, I mean, whether they're reacting in one day, four days, a week, whatever, it shouldn't be happening at all. Is all I'm trying to say. It, 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 it. Yeah, I. The leagues are. The leagues are at least handicapped by their by the rules that they have to engage in, mm-hmm. engage via. Yeah. The players. This happens literally every year. You cannot tell me that no one is noticing that it's the same gesture every damn time. There was a hockey game on TNT that night, and I don't remember who the players, who the the participants were in the game. But during the first intermission, they had, um, well, it was our good friend Liam McHugh, uh, who used to be on NBC, hosting the intermission report. They also had Rick Tockett, who is about as honest as you can get. He just he tells it like it is. They had uh, Bissonette, and they had Anson Carter. Anson Carter pulls no punches when he talks about this stuff. He's <laughs> right there in your. He doesn't. He doesn't pull any punches, and just what he said and the way he said it. He's like all we. He's like. All we want is for the game to love us the way we love the game. And right now, that's not happening. Look, Wayne Simmons, who takes a step back from absolutely no one, uh, who has been in the league for years and years, has said that he's not sure he wants his kids to play hockey because of this stuff. And that's a problem. That's... That's not a red flag. That's a dinosaur killer moving straight at you at, you know, a couple of multiples of the speed of sound. Just when you've got guys, when you've got current players in the league saying that they're not sure they want their their sons and daughters to play. That's a problem. And it's not because of the physical danger. It's because of the environment itself. That's. As I said, that's a dinosaur killer. That's not even even Bissonette was saying during the intermission. He's like, you know, Willie O'Ree was out there talking about how he would have conversations with some of the youth and and explaining to them what they were going to have to deal with when they came to the NHL. And he shouldn't be having those conversations. He shouldn't have to have those conversations with the youth. He shouldn't have to give them the heads up that. He might enc- that, that they might encounter somebody who is boneheaded and is going to make these kind of gestures or say the- is a bigot and throwback. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, yeah. And it's just horrible. And by the way, I saw a thing saying that it's time we should retire Willie O'Ree's number across the league. Just throwing that in there. Uh, you know what? If he actually. I, if they ever actually end up giving him the Congressional Medal of Honor, that may just happen. I can only hope. I mean, we retired Gretzky's number because he scored the most points. I mean, are we going to retire Ovechkin's number eight across the league when he's done? Well, he'll only have, sco- only have scored the most goals and power play goals and two or three other smaller categories. But And, um, and of those... Had- a legit dozen records or, or, or <laughs> I think two dozen records when he retired. And of those three players, 
the one that really means the most is, oh, wait, that Willie O'Ree guy. Yeah, so I think they should retire his number. But I digress. He shouldn't have to explain to youth. It shouldn't. It's not a conversation that should need to be had at all, ever. Look, this is why the NBA has no trouble recruiting black players. This is why the NFL has no trouble recruiting black players. They don't run into the stuff there. It's really that simple. Um, and I just don't even want to talk about it. I, I'm gonna I, say, I, I think we've exhausted this. I just wanted to do the follow up and get it out of the way. Now we can move on to better things like the All-Star Game. Woo-hoo. The All-Star Game. The popularity um, contest. One of the biggest impacts on the All-Star Game was made by Aaron Dell. Aaron Dell, of course, is, I believe, not on the All-Star uh, roster. But when he uh, had his sweet little hit on Drake Batherton and took him out of the All-Star festivities, uh, because Batherton is going to miss two months. Yes, that's eight weeks or more of hockey. There have been a couple uh, of really nasty injuries over the last couple of days, but... Sorry. So he hits Drake Batherton, and I'll be honest, I haven't seen this, so I'm going to have to go looking for a video. But it sounds horrible. It was. It was. It. It didn't look as bad as it turned out to be, but it was still absolutely boneheaded. Okay. Uh, um, and I, I'm not surprised that Arundel was suspended for three games. Was it a suspendable, suspendable offense? I mean, did he? Uh, as a first-time offender, getting three games, yeah, it, it's there's not much. There's not much wiggle room on whether that was um, okay. Uh, on whether that was or wasn't a bad hit. Um, you can, uh, if you, uh, like I said, I'm, I, I will Google it post story so I can be a little bit more informed. I didn't remember. I, I, I was focused on the, the non hit that still got a two minute penalty in the Bruins avalanche game. And my, my sympathies go out to McKinnon and and the Colorado Avalanche. I mean, it's not, it, it, it he suffered, suffered racial fractures uh, and he's going to be out for a bit as well. And it was a legal hit, but because they gave Taylor Hall a five minute major, even if they reduced it, they couldn't eliminate it completely. So they had to give him a two minute interference penalty. Uh, which might be something they visit at some point in the future uh, in the league offices. But for for a goaltender who's wearing the most equipment to uh, go and take out to go and take out a, a player, yeah, I can see giving him a suspension. I mean, you think of the amount of 
pads that they're wearing, the 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 level of equipment, the mask, the glove, the blocker, their their paddle is is twice the size of, of any other stick on the ice. So here's uh, here's the thing with the Batherton, like there is no question it was off the rails and bad. Um, I just don't get. I get that it was a bad game for Dell and that the this team was being to the ground. Uh, and Ottawa was on a little bit of a hot streak too, if I'm not mistaken. Haven't they won a few games in a row? I know that they lost to Anaheim, so that ended the streak. But weren't they on like a three or four game win streak or point streak or something like that? Yeah, I mean the. There was so much going on with that game that it had the potential to boil over. Okay. I mean, I'm just, I'm sorry for Batherton. And yeah, it's going to take him out of the all-star festivities. However, he's going to make there. He's going to, well, I mean, if he's there, he's going to be there as a spectator, but it, He's gonna make it. He's gonna make it to the All Star game again in the future. It's not. Oh yeah, no, 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 no. Talent wise, yeah, he he'll be there again. He's not. This isn't gonna be his only shot at it. And because he can't be there, it certainly means that somebody else is getting a second shot at it. His teammate Brady Kachuk. Kachuk is entertaining. Yeah. Like than average personalities and really if you're going to have an all-star weekend mm-hmm. personalities who should be there like he, a certain lamborghini that won't be in the parking lot <laughs> he is he is a big personality i mean he's first on the team in hits first on the team in penalty minutes i believe uh second on the team in points third in goals scored uh, his faceoff percentage is uh, quite high at fifty, just under fifty nine percent. Fifty eight point seven, I believe, is what the story said. So it's not like they're sending, you know, they're not sending, they're not sending a scrub. They're, it's a legit all star also attending. I mean, it is his second one. He did go last year. It. it, it, it it wouldn't be it wouldn't be unexpected if he were there of his own volition, let alone, you know, because he's getting oh, yeah. in because a teammate couldn't. It's not like, oh, why did they pick him? No, it makes sense that he's going. You know, he's got oh, the, he's got the statistics to back it up. I mean, you don't. Twenty seven points and thirty five games on that team. Uh, and the thing is, is he thirty. 23 of his points are at even strength. He's not living, he's not feasting on the power play like a lot of guys who make it to the All-Star game. Um, I mean, arguably, Thomas Shabbat should be there. Um, we all know I've been a Shabbat fan for a long time. Um, 27 minutes, over 27 minutes of ice time a night. Um, yeah, that's that. That's not a lot. I'm sorry. He's only okay. playing half the game. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Um, that's 
one part of the all-star uh, festivities. And I think it will be interesting to see, uh, to see Brady Kachuk there again. Um, yes. Den- the Denver post has actually been celebrating some homegrown. Um, and yes, we're definitely 100% talking about hockey players. Um, and as strong as like the college hockey is in, in Colorado, can you guess how many NHL players have from the state of Colorado have actually played a game this year? Across the league? Across the league. 30. That number would be very, very wrong. Okay. The number is seven. Oh, and okay. almost certainly name all of them. Two of the Sons of Hall of Famers. Two of them. Yep. Uh, one is uh, one is a Carolina player and someone with the same last name. Well, uh, two of them are brothers who are sons of Hall of Famer. Really? Uh, yep. Yeah, I'll just read you out the list since it won't take long. Troy well, Terry. Troy Terry. All right. Anaheim. What? Anaheim. Josiah Slavin, Jacob Slavin, Brendan Lemieux, Nolan Foote, Cal Foote, and Brandon Carlo. Brandon, how did I not remember Brandon Carlos from Denver? Wow, that's terrible. Well, Colorado Springs, but uh, but that's the that's the fun part is five of the seven are actually from Denver. Um, and let's see. I mean, I mean, they made a big deal about they made a big deal about it during the Colorado Avalanche game that Brandon Carlo was playing in front of his family. And, and still, some of them for the first time in two years. Apparently, there were over a hundred friends and family at the game. Yeah, they did show they did show they did show the family on camera at one point. It was fairly extensive. Well, they showed part of one section. They were, the play, the family and friends were spilled out into three sections from what I uh, what I remember. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, I mean 100 plus members of the friends and family. I'm assuming uh his uh, girlfriend and fiance uh, her family was probably there as well. Okay. Um, that's a huge number of players uh, of people. So we got seven guys, and, and Adam Foot obviously played for the Colorado Avalanche, played for the Colorado franchise. Um, so his two, I didn't know the Slavens were from there. That's a new one on me. Yeah. And um, let's. See. I'm not surprised. I mean, it, it's – I don't know that they're necessarily on par with Hockey East or or the Big Ten and specifically Michigan, Minnesota in general uh, or, or in general Big Ten, specifically Minnesota, Michigan. But Denver is still an, another area of the country where you see – We respect hockey to be supremely popular, but yes. they – just don't seem to have produced the NHL players. And when you look at how dominant and scary the Colorado uh, avalanche were when they first arrived in town. um, Oh, that was some of the best rivalry hockey I'd ever seen between Colorado and Detroit. 
Well, it was it was a three cornered war with the two with those two teams in Dallas uh, once uh, <laughs> once the North Stars became the Stars. Uh, yes, it was, it was brutal. Yes, I mean there were some, and it and it spilled over into the playoffs. You know, in the playoffs, they tend to, you know, they 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 don't fight as much. And okay, yeah, the hits can be jarring, but you know, the the Jake Evans type hits are the exception, not the rule. Evans and Tavares in the playoffs, they're more the exception, but not for Colorado and Detroit. They were literally trying to hurt each other. It was. It was ugly, but fun to watch. I mean, it was more on ice. Like, like, it's it's a very strong statement. I don't believe that it's an overstatement. I mean, Chris Draper, Chris Draper for the Red Wings, Adam Foot for the Avalanche, literally spilled blood, and lots of it. And that team has been there since '95. Now, yeah, um, you would think that there would would have been. At least there would be at least a few more uh, players born there. True. I mean, they do have a couple of good. I mean, University of Denver, Colorado College. They 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 produced a f- more than a few NHL players over the years. And so you would think that yeah, they that they would be um, moving right along. And but it's nice to see that, and and I know that Jared. I was reading the article. Jared Bednar commenting on on the home, the 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 homegrown talent there. Okay, uh, it's good to see, and you know, realistically, you've got you've got a variety of players uh, in that group uh, of seven. Mm-hmm. You got okay. Troy Terry, who's Offensive dynamo at this point, and uh, I mean, 41 points, 42 games, with 25 of them goals on the most surprising story in the NHL this year. Uh, Jacob Slavin, all around really solid two-way defenseman. Uh, Brandon Carlo, defensive defenseman, uh, if ever there was one. Um, The Foot Brothers, you know, you've got them playing uh, for New Jersey and Tampa Bay. Um, and then Josiah Slavin, who literally, I do not believe I've actually seen play. Um, huh. Um, he's up in Chicago with, okay. uh, with uh, Brendan Lemieux in, Brendan Lemieux in Los Angeles. Brendan Lemieux has, um, made a name for himself in the past. He's... Probably very nearly as popular with other teams as uh, as uh, Brad Marchand was earlier in his career. I was gonna say Brad's trying to change that image, though. I mean, I was listening to a story from a. I went back and watched an old hockey game from the Bruins that was on my DVR, and during the intermission, they were talking about how he had taken a phone from a kid and. and you know, the kids lean over as they're coming off the ice for warm-ups. And during, Brad grabbed the kid's phone, took it with him as he walked down the tunnel, gave him a little message saying, hey, hope you enjoy the game tonight. You know, I, I don't know whose phone this is, but I hope you enjoy the game because I know I'm going to. And all right, I got to go. So I'll talk to you later. Bye. And brought the phone back out to him. And then 
during the game, I guess he turned around and asked the kid if it, or uh, somehow got a message to the kid asking him if he didn't mind his name being on the NHL Twitter. And apparently, the, I mean, blew the kid up, 12 years old. Uh, so Brad's doing what he can to change that image. But see, as much as he's gotten into some really silly situations on the ice mm-hmm. uh, with other players, some of them flat out stupid. Um, oh, you mean the licking incident and the honestly, I think the licking incident, well, <laughs> somewhat gross, utterly hilarious. I was gonna say, if it doesn't make you laugh a little bit, <laughs> it, I mean, it's a little cringy. I really admit that it is a little cringy, but as oh, far as Komarov didn't like it. someone's head, uh, yeah, uh, but he's always been fun. Oh, yeah, um, it's just that. In the last, I would say, four seasons, he's been less uh, less physically obnoxious on the ice. Granted, yeah. I think that's because they've run out of he's run out of new and unique ways to irritate opponents uh, without getting suspended for it. But <laughs> to move into their heads, I mean, poor Komarov had to. He's like, stop licking me, stop it. <laughs> I'm sorry, you're skating around and you're licking other players. Okay, then. Who did he do that to? Did he do it to Ryan Callahan as well or something like that? I mean, it was at least two or three players, and it was. (laughs) Exactly. See, it makes me chuckle, too. You want to get inside someone's head? That's. Well, that'll work. (laughs) It works. I'm not sure I would ever take that method, but like it clearly worked. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, where do we want to go next? Well, let's continue with the All-Star theme. The the, the PHF, the newly named PHF, um, apparently had there, and, and I feel bad that I missed it because, and this, I'm, I'm going to, this is my first uh, constructive, I don't even know if it's constructive criticism, but they need to market this better because I did not hear a thing. I did not know that it was happening this weekend. They need to get the message out there about the PHF, at least about their all-star weekend, because apparently this is their all-star weekend or, or they had their all-star game last night. They did. It was streaming on ESPN plus. Um, I think that it's great that they're getting some touch by ESPN I don't even like NHL games on ESPN Plus. I I freely admit I don't watch them. Uh, I, actually, I, want, I actually have. I mean, it, it, it's watched, better when Bucci. It's better when Bucci does the games. He's all right. But uh, I mean, I've seen a few games on there. They they're trying different things, which is the only way they're going to grow. And I think that. The league, uh, the Professional Hockey Federation is is a great thing um, in that I think it's going to be good for that league to grow. But in all honesty, I don't remember seeing ESPN at all mention them, mention that there, it was their All-Star Weekend. Nothing. They need to market this better. I have no, I have. I've turned on ESPN a couple of times since the start of the hockey seasons. I have not heard the the PHF mentioned on there once. 
And if you're going to be stream, if you're going to be showing the games in any capacity, um, that's something that needs to change. And ESPN as a whole, really, it doesn't, you don't have to give them 10 minutes every night because you're ESPN, you cover every sport from college volleyball to, you know, uh, professional baseball. uh, That's fine. Although they don't seem to carry Quidditch, but that's another story for another day. Um, If you're going to cover it and you're going to devote resources to streaming it across your platform with your people, yeah, it, it needs to be in your news at least once or twice a week. Uh, they so the All Star game and sorry I'm just trying to take it back to the All Star I, I can keep complaining about the lack of of support that they appear to be getting but I don't know on which side the blame should lie more whether it should be for the PHF not forcing it or ESPN not supporting the brand but. To bring it back around to the game, apparently the game was held in what they call Fort Butte, the multi-purpose rec center near the University of Buffalo. So it's the home ice of the Buffalo Buttes. Correct. Uh, they've called it home since it was relinquished relinquished to the league in 2019 by the Bills and Sabres owners. Bills and Sabres owner Kim and Terry Pagula. See that they don't just fire they don't just fire coaches and GMs they give away buildings too. Well, I think they fired the whole team. I believe at one point they were the owners of the Buffalo Buttes. Oh, okay. Well, that's not good. Um, the event was I mean, moved from Toronto due to the <clears throat> ongoing issue. Uh, streamed on ESPN Plus. They announced a $25 million investment from its board of governors and owners over the next three years. will allow North America's lone professional women's hockey league to more than double its annual salary cap. And this is the big thing I actually wanted to cover. Okay. Uh, What I think the impact here is, you're going to see some players stay a little bit longer in the league. Because I've seen players, we've seen players who are, who will go play three years in the uh, in women's professional hockey, and then they jump off to a network job or uh, working for an NHL team. This is mm-hmm. not that's not a long term win for the le- for women's hockey because it means you're losing a lot of the enthusiasm for hockey. You're losing a lot of the a lot talent. of your hockey culture. Um, not to mention your talent. So, yes, you're scouting. Yes, you're coaching. Yes, you're um, yes, you're on ice, uh, like on ice mentors for players. I mean, the league is still very new, but having those Zdeno Chara like uh, elder statesmen on the bench who have seen every situation at least five times. Uh, to help brand new players in the league achieve their best, that's that's invaluable uh, to organizations, to players, um, 
and to the league overall. Now, the thing is that this isn't their full-time job. It's not like they've raised the salary cap and, oh, my God, it's going up to 20 or $30 million. You know, They've increased the salary cap for the team from 300000 to 750000 which means the players' salaries could boost from about fifteen grand to thirty grand per year. The key to this, though, is the fact that they are going to get full medical coverage now, which, which is, they didn't have. And for any, good. well, yeah, I mean, you think about anybody, any player who's out there getting injured. It, but this, like I said, not their full-time job. They've got players, a police officer, nurses, teachers, full-time job in addition to playing professional hockey. Um, go ask somebody in the NHL to do that. Mm-hmm. Don't think so. I mean, it did happen in the early days of the NHL. And, oh, I'm sure it did. I mean, they also they also smoked on the bench. <laughs> that too. I mean, there were players who were literally bricklayers uh, in their day job. I think I think even as late as Bobby Orr, a lot of those players still had full time jobs, and that was what, 35, 40 years into the league, uh, into the NHL existence? No, even more than that. Um, I suspect the P, uh, I suspect uh, this league will grow a little bit faster that way. There are more revenue streams. There, I mean, there's more competition for entertainment, too. But Excuse me. I mean, obviously the goal is to have, have the players be able to support themselves full-time off of this off of playing hockey as soon as possible. And one of the things they need to do is get on TV TV with a streaming deal. Have, yes. They need to have five, six games a night, uh, a week rather, on on real TV that most households get. Um, whether it's making it to TBS or Oxygen or... ESPN nine or whatever it is. <laughs> it, it's just, okay. Go. I mean, the things that they're getting though, it, it, they, um, they are, and the commissioner has it right. What the, what they're doing is creating sustainable environment going forward. They, they're planning next season, two expansion teams, not one yep. Montreal and another U S city. They are, <clears throat> They are improving facilities, they, and they're, a lot, they're providing players with a 10% equity in their respective teams and control over their likenesses from marketing opportunities. Huge. That is, Huge. That is something that certain long-established businesses uh, in pro sports entertainment, like the company Vince McMahon owns, doesn't do. In fact, they do the opposite. They control... Almost everything once you sign with them. Um, so again, this is this is really important. It's nice um, to see the growth. The next step is getting, like you said, that TV deal so that they can get the image out there. Um, I mean, ideally, what I would actually, there's a couple of different ways they could do it. But I mean, the shortest path is obviously that big network deal, whether it's ABC, NBC, CBS, one of them, or who knows, maybe maybe if uh, something like HBO decides to dip back into sports, 
Um, we know that they do the, that they've done boxing and stuff like that in the past. Maybe they'll jump in on women's sports and, and start including that in their streaming service because they're what the third or fourth largest streaming network. And if you know, you can open up your HBO app and either watch your favorite movie for the 81st time, 81st time this year, or watch a fresh women's hockey or women's basketball uh, or women's soccer game for that matter. Um, that's, that's a path that you're not going to see Netflix take or uh, even, I kind of doubt you'll see even Amazon jump in on women's sports. Um, they probably feel they already have a good stranglehold on uh, women's shopping money or spending money. Okay. I, it, it, just to tie a little bow on it, the last paragraph, it says, <clears throat> we're not done. It's a huge step in the right direction. The hope is to continue to grow. But for now, it's something to be pretty proud about, and we're excited. There's a lot of people who finish a 12-hour shift at their job, and then they go to hockey practice, they go home, they get two hours of sleep, and they do it all over again. And those are the players, when you look back in 10, 15, 20 years, will remember as the people who really made this whole thing work. Absolutely. The, the women doing that right now, uh, the Brianna Deckers the, and the whole rest of the cast, those are the ones whose names are going to be first into the Raptors, and they're going to be the touchstones for the players 15 years from now who come in and have a $170,000 league minimum or a $300,000 league minimum salary because the league is now 18 teams. And they do have that TV deal and they do have that national uh, continental awareness at minimum where, you know, people say, OK, what's on TV tonight? Uh, the rain, the New York Rangers aren't playing. Um, no one watch No one in this household is allowed to watch the Islanders. Uh, let's watch. Let's watch the ladies play. Um, you know, Minnesota. I think Minnesota is one of the smartest uh, cities for them to be in. They already have had a culture where uh, girls hockey was in a lot of ways equivalent to uh, the boys. Yeah. You know, there's the there's the uh, Mr. Hockey Award and there's an equivalent for for young women. And that's going to keep pushing young players forward. That drive to be the best at any at at whatever level you're at is the best catalyst uh, for making it to the next level period there you go what's i'm looking i'm looking for i'm just i'm just looking forward to where they go from here because i think it's gonna it's an entertaining game we've seen it live and can't wait to see what they do for me i will know women's hockey is right on the cusp of being there when I start seeing celebrities and uh, celebrities at games or in gear um, or, you know, I turn on or I walk down the street in Boston in the middle of July and I see a pride Jersey uh, for a player who's been in town, you know, who was either just drafted or hasn't played in the city in five years. Those are the signs that a team is really well 
received. Absolutely. I, I mean, you know, you and I both know from going to Bruins games that you will find jerseys from the last 60 years of players at any given. Oh, game. how many? Yeah, how many newly jer- How many newly bork or how many or jerseys do you see? I mean, or don't- Ark, uh, didn't we see like a Dick Clapper jersey once? Uh, <laughs> Clapper, yeah. About 10, 12 years ago. Dick uh, Clapper, yeah. Uh, you might even see a Mil Schmidt jersey, number 15, yeah. Andy Moog, Mil Schmidt. Um, uh, Nifty Middleton. Absolutely. And it's not oh. even just the stars that you see in, big, in, in real hockey towns. Um, you see guys who were you know, third, fourth line players, uh, second, third uh, pairing defensemen. Um, you know, as much as I love PJ Axelson, he was never going to be a Hall of Famer. But you'll still see PJ jerseys. I'm still seeing PJ Axelson jerseys. I still have, hey, I have a Brad Boyce jersey. Absolutely. Uh, I mean,. <laughs> And the Samsonov jersey hidden somewhere, if I can find it. If you can find it, sure, sure. Um, player movement is always a fascinating thing to watch. Yes. Um, one of the more interesting players uh, in the last year in the NHL uh, is someone who Mike was <clears throat> once again right about. Evander yeah. Kane. Don't break your arm. Look, facts are facts. Before before the big guys started talking about it. I knew he'd be playing again. I was just hoping it would be a little bit further east than where he ended up. Yes, but someone, and he shall remain nameless, actually picked the right team. Because uh, okay. Kane did sign with the Oilers uh, and in his debut with the team, uh, helping them shore up their left side. Mm-hmm. Um, he did score a goal in his first game. So he plays with arguably one of the fastest and best talents in the NHL. And he himself is extremely not untalented. And you're telling me that he managed to score a goal. Um, Score a goal. I know uh, we're not on video, but here's my shot face. I know. Three shots, four hits. Um, Again, not surprising. It's a band of <laughs> Finished plus two in 17.52 of ice time in their 7-2 win uh, over the Habs. Oh, and it was against Canadians. Yep. Okay. I, I, I'm not surprised. I'm, I'm not surprised by any of it. It's And, and the, my first thought was... It's not like this guy's been sitting on his couch eating Cheetos all season. He actually was playing hockey. He was, I mean, yes, he was with Barrac- the, the, the Barracudas in, in the minor league system because San Jose was just trying to somehow get his salary off the books. But he was actually playing. It's not like he was just sitting there doing nothing. It's yep. not like he put it's- on 20 pounds and, and you know. Kind of fell by the wayside, wasn't skating, wasn't, you know, working out. He still he was still playing. He's been active. So Absolutely. for him to he had he had that hockey jersey on all, uh, all full time until it was stripped from him. And so for him to step in and score a goal again, it, it's not I mean, 
if you sign somebody who'd been sitting out for the last two years and, and, you know, first game back and they, and they light it up. Okay. That might be a little surprising, but not so much surprising for him. I'm glad that he's doing it. I'm glad that he's playing again. I think that on ice, I think the on ice product is better for it. Absolutely. And as long as he and his agent and his public his PR firm or whoever handles him and hopefully he doesn't have issues with his ex that that seem to be causing most of the turmoil because she's reporting things that they're investigating and finding don't exist if that all can be controlled then I don't think there's any issue here that's the thing I you know people talk about him being a terrible person but you know, if many of these accusations were true, I, quite frankly, I I can't find it within me to believe that multi-million dollar salary or not, that he yeah. would evade legal repercussions uh, if there was a if there was anything like proof. If if the, any of these allegations were found to be it, true, I don't see him getting a contract from the Oilers. If any of these allegations were true, I don't see him playing hockey this season. Uh, the only one that I might find somewhat believable is the possibility that he submitted an invalid uh, vaccine card. I'm willing to believe that that was done because, quite frankly, as much as people in Canada talk about how wonderful their healthcare system is, I don't I'm sure you remember what was it uh, eight ten years ago there was the ridiculous mumps breakout mm -hmm. uh, yeah in the NHL and it was I remember that it went right to, yeah that went through the league rather quickly Ooh. it was almost exclusively Canadian born players the American players had all been vaccinated or mostly been vaccinated and weren't getting it right but the Canadian ones I don't know if they somehow managed to all get bad batches or just didn't get it, but uh, you know, there's something going on. There. There's a belief. There, I don't know if there are beliefs that certain things don't really help, or if they just believe that simply because they don't know anyone who's had something. There's no need to worry about it. Either one or both uh, in combination would arrive at that. But the fact that I don't think I actually know anyone personally, and we're talking, I went to a reasonable sized school and I had cousins every, I have cousins everywhere since my, my parents have both, both had a lot of siblings um, and yeah. they had a lot of kids. Okay. I don't know anyone who had the mumps when I was a kid. No one. Well, Not even one. It's something that they vaccinate you against as a child, uh, unless the parent really fights it and doesn't want to have their child vaccinated. But they usually do recommend it and do it while you're young, and then you get the MMR, and done deal. Uh, I'm just glad he's back. I, I, I'm just glad he's back. I enjoy I'm watching him. i I enjoy watching him play. I just wish it was on Nesson a couple of nights a week and not in Edmonton. And <laughs> totally fair. 
Uh, we do have some breaking news. Ooh, I like breaking news. Breaking news. Uh, it, breaking Julian, news or bad breaking news? Bad breaking news. Uh, oh, Claude shit. Julian had a fall um, and managed to fracture some ribs uh, very recently. Uh, John Shannon reports via Twitter uh, that because of the because of the injuries, um, Julian will not be able to board the tri- the plane to Beijing. Um, and so Jeremy Colleton will actually be coaching uh, Team Canada. Uh, this tweet came out at uh, 11, 11 this morning. Uh, that sucks. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Julian's not particularly young, and it certainly could have been worse. Um, but uh, speedy recovery to him. And uh, good luck to Jeremy Colladin and uh, Team Canada. So Jeremy's still coaching Team Canada. Was he not fired from his head coaching duties in Chicago? Or is he still coaching uh, yeah. Chicago? I thought he was fired. No, I don't believe he's coaching in Chicago. Uh, he's He's been out. I think he's been out since last year or maybe early this season. Hmm. But yet he's still going to coach Team Canada. I mean, it, honestly, with talent like that, how much is he more of a manager, or is he? I mean, just making sure that the right sh- the right players taking the right shifts, and making sure that uh, oh wait, it's not. An, are they sending NHL players? I don't believe so. They are not sending NHL players because the NHL won't allow it, supposedly. Yes, they changed their minds uh, in the middle of the season. Oh. Brad Marchand might or might not have had an opinion on that. Yeah, I remember that. The... So Jeremy Carlton is in. Uh, again, uh, speedy recovery to Claude. Uh, ribs are a tough thing because you can't really do anything with them. You can't wrap them. It's not like a broken arm where you can cast it or anything. So it's just going to be... Right painful and it's going to suck. <laughs> yep. And Derek King is the uh, interim head coach of the That's right, Derek King. Okay. I knew Blackhawks that. has been for two months and twenty four days. So Jeremy uh, Jeremy Colleton's got some time on his hands on. Uh, Jeremy Colleton has had time on his hands since November seventh, I believe, or November sixth when uh when King was hired. Okay. Um, on his Olympic team yes. is a guy who we have been talking about and waiting for to be allowed to succeed in the NHL for quite some <laughs> Literally, I don't know if there is any other non-NHL player who we have spent more time talking about than Josh Hosea. That's From because we both up, love Josh Hosea. When he came up with the Islanders and was brutalized in the media and by various so-called fans for daring to wear a number that no one on his team was wearing and no famous player had worn. Oh, come on. Say it out loud. He was wearing number 66, damn it. He was wearing number 66, and in his first season – up with the Islanders, 10 points in 21 games. Second season up with the – with the Islanders, 12 points in 22 games. Um, his third run up with the team wasn't as good, but he was also 
significantly more limited in ice time uh, mm-hmm. in the 18-19 season. Um, he spent the 2021 uh, season uh, in the Swedish Hockey League, um, and he has been on a AHL-only deal with the Toronto Marlies this year, where he seems to be having some sort of renaissance, uh, 20 points in 27 games. Um, Go Josh. Go Josh. Yes. Um, and he's apparently done nothing but gush uh, in the media about the opportunity. Um, and he says that if he gets a – he's – according to one of the stories I saw, if he gets an offer for an NHL contract, he is going to talk to uh, the Leafs first and give them the opportunity to match uh, because he's that he's that grateful. Uh, wow. Does this sound like a player who has what's that wonderful hockeyism, uh, filthy habits, or attitude problems, or any of the other reasons that they decide to bury players? Yes, it sounds totally like that. Especially when you're very grateful to the organization for giving you a chance, when you're putting out uh, two thirds of a point per game performance because. You know, you feel comfortable in that organization. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it's bad behavior all around. It's terrible. I, I, I don't know how it can even be tolerated. Giving them an opportunity to match if he gets a contract from another team. Yeah, that's that's all bad behavior. I mean, Bush clearly it's that Bush. Yes, Bush League. Clearly it stems from horrible, horrible playing behaviors and and. Oh, yeah. I, I, I don't know how he has an opportunity. I, I don't. That literally tops the list of filthy habits. Yes. Terrible. Yeah. Showing gratitude, offering opportunity and taking advantage of opportunity. I mean, did we know filthier habits exist anywhere in sports? Again, did we not want our local product here to draft him when he was available? I, I didn't quite drive to the garden and pick up certain members of leadership and shake them and say, draft this guy. Um, but yeah. I kind of <laughs> 26 years old and he's going to be on the Canadian Olympic team. Correct. Can't complain about that. And he's not, he, it's not like he's an alternate. I mean, he's on the team. He's there. And honestly, I now have a reason to watch the Olympics. That, like the men, the men's ice hockey Olympics. I was going to watch the women play because I think it's the USA Canada is like John said. Everything uh, hockey should be. I love at the end of the article. Yep, just to just to hammer that home. Like John Steitzer said in yesterday's article on Hosang being named to Team Canada, this edition should give us all a reason to wake up at 3 a.m. and watch Olympic hockey. What does he mean? Wake up at that time? I mean, <laughs> well, we are some of up. us, some of us haven't slept yet at that hour. <laughs> but I, it, it, it's good to see that good things are happening to him. It really is. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for him because I think that I think the Islanders organization kind of did him a little wrong. Um, we don't actually use the language that I would most like to use to describe what they did to him. Mm-hmm. Um, just assume everyone just take 10 seconds, pause the recording. 
and assume that in that 10 seconds you hear something that would make the foulest mouth person you know blush, that's my sentiment. Okay. But good to see that good things are happening now. Excellent. What's this about Kajiru? What's going on with Claude? I mean, Claude after Giroux leaving is- after leaving the the horrid NHL franchise that is Philly at this point in time, and by horrid I mean on ice product. They just have not been good this year. Well, here's the thing. He is in the last year of his deal. He's 34 years old. Um, another product, uh, I believe, of the Golden Draft. I, yeah, I think he was. Uh, I think he was 03. Um, he's got a contract where the cap number or the cap hit is only five million, um, but the or the salary number is actually it's a total salary is 5 million. The cap hit is actually eight and a little over eight and a quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, full no movement clause. Oh, we would be wrong by the way. Claude Giroux was an Oh six draft. Really? Oh, wow. I, know. I thought he was a product of the golden draft as well. No. Oh six. Uh, 22nd overall, believe it or not. Right. Honestly, didn't believe there were any player. There were that many players that good out of that draft. Um, well, if you weren't the number one, number three, number two, number four. Okay, so the top half of the first round was Johnson, Eric, uh, some guy named Stahl, Jordan, uh, some guy named Taze. I mean, I think those guys were all taken. But, like, I didn't realize that there was anyone that deep into the draft. I mean, who can forget the amazing Yuri Jalusti? Um, <laughs> I believe that's the... Well, Jeff Petrie's still playing in the NHL. Uh, some guy drafted at number 50 named Milan Lukic. Never heard of him. Uh, he was number... He was second round... He's played in 1,054 games. There are some names on this. Artem Anisimov, um, Sue uh, didn't play as many as I thought. But uh, Oh, some guy in the third round? Um, Brad Mark, 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 Markand, March, Marchy, Marchand? Probably hasn't done anything useful and definitely not an all-star. Yeah, definitely not an all-star because he wasn't voted in or, or even given the opportunity. And then the guy after him is some guy named Cal Clutterbuck. Okay, but um, so there were a the, few players in this draft. I wouldn't say, oh look, Matt Bolesky. Uh. Uh, so Frank Savelli tweeted a quote. Okay. By uh, Doug Fletcher. Um, Fletcher, of course, the GM uh, in Philly. Um, it will be Claude's decision, as uh, that's the quote, as to whether Claude is moved at the deadline. So looking at Giroux's stats. Was Columbus considering lot. moving him? Yes. Oh, okay. I, I mean, he's got a full no movement, so it literally is his choice. So Saravalli's not wrong, but... 
then again, he's also walking out on a limb as wide as, I don't know, six lane highway. Um, but here's, so 34 years old, right shot center and occasionally winger, 984 games to date, all of them okay. with the Flyers. Um, so he is on the table. He He's potentially on the table. And my answer is still no, because I want that guy up in Vancouver, but okay. Um, has not, doesn't seem to have actually slowed down in terms of point production in the last couple of years. Now, if I'm not um, mistaken, he's more of a distributor. I mean, he actually wouldn't, he actually wouldn't be a terrible center for a player such as Taylor Hall. I mean, because he's a distributor, if I'm not mistaken. Voracek oh, yeah, most of the scoring. He's definitely more of a distributor. Um, and Alexander Wenberg. The fun, fun part is that, like David Krejci, he's a right mm. shot. So, theoretically, if he landed in Boston and you didn't have to give up Hall or Pasternak or something like that to get him, that's a sk- That's a pretty impressive second line if you leave them together. What's his, what's his face-off percentage looking like these days? Is he's he like still in- seventh in the league, well, well over 55%. Oh, okay. Then that would um, maybe help. His stats, his stats are really, really are impressive this year. Okay. Um, if he, if you could turn that into a Boston second line, yes, you would still need to upgrade the defense if there, if it could be managed. But Hall, Giroux, and Pasternak as a line—that's more than most people are going to be able to handle. Two goal scorers and a distributor in the middle. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Nah, I don't know if that would and work. The distributor was something to prove in the playoffs. Because that's <laughs> that's honestly my biggest area of concern for him. He draw his his playoff numbers drop significantly. And I don't know how much of that is simply Philly being Philly and how much of it is him. Okay. Uh, his face-off percentage this year is 60.8. Wow. That uh, is, um, Perrier, who is their second best face-off man and I believe out for the rest of the season, um, is at like 55%, 55.6. I don't see him going back to Philly. Uh, so if Giroux is available, what's a reasonable package for a guy with uh, no time left on his contract? And See, that's my concern is we're not solving. We're only band. We're only bandaiding the, the wound. That's well, that's, why the, I, that's the other part of it. That's why I want the other guy in Vancouver. That's three, that's three the other part of years it. left. Trees Bergeron doesn't have a contract after this year either. Yeah, and like I said, the JT Miller, three years left on his deal, 28 years old. Uh, how much longer is Bergeron playing? You need a number one. And you need a number one, you need number two. You're band-aiding, you're band-aiding the number two at the moment if you get Claude Giroux. I'm not saying I don't like the guy. I mean, I as a player, he's, I mean, unfortunately he played in Philly, and, and it's Philly. How do you – but – Talent-wise, you can't deny, and if he's still 
producing at a level that is more than just somewhat productive. I mean, it sounds to me like he's still producing at a level where if he can play that way in the playoffs. 0.85 per points per game is where he's at this season. I'm not That's, complaining about that. That's for sure. And it's on a not good team. I mean, I don't think the Bruins are great, but they're not yeah, flyers. I do. He would certainly be an upgrade from Eric Howla. Eric Howla to me is a great third line wing, a reasonable defensive presence on a second line. The problem is they're looking too aggressively. If 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 Columbus is looking to aggressively retool, they're not going to be taking Philadelphia. But yeah, they're not going to be taking. Well, they're not going to be taking if, if a package that's fair for him would not be including um, big money contracts. Would not be including. I mean, could you send Jake DeBrus there? Is he an overpayment for Claude Giroux? Well, Jake DeBrusque's contract is over, too. Um, I don't know that it would be a one-for-one swap unless there was, like, a sign-and-trade on one end. Right. Um, I think it would be really interesting. I think the package is going to – I think any package is going to include more picks and or prospects than anybody off a roster. I mean, yeah, you'd probably have to throw in a roster player to fill Claude Giroux's spot. So – Eric Halla? I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe if you could get, if you could arrange a one-year or two-year extension for Giroux, um, as as part of the trade, so that Giroux knows he doesn't have to pick up and move again July first or whenever. I think it's July fifteenth this year when free agency starts. Okay. Um, if you could sign him for two years, Halla and. DeBrusque as the trade piece, I can live with that. If that's all you're at, if that's all Philly wants but I don't for know him, that's I don't know that that's going to do it. They're going I I I don't think they're just going to want uh, roster players. They probably you probably have to throw in a pick. Um, but I mean JT Miller, you're going to be looking at at least as much. Same with. You know, J- Patterson, who I think JT Miller is going to take a higher prospect and uh, most likely a first and or second. If which, you're talking about getting JT Miller out of that team, you're giving up Beecher. It's going to happen. But JT Miller, again, 28 and has term and multiple term, not just one year. He's like three years left on his deal at five and a quarter million. He's cheap. Yeah, I would. I would honestly still rather spend roughly equal resources and get Patterson out of there if possible. Patterson's not a center. Patterson is a center. Um, okay, he's a player listed as a center. What's his face-off percentage? Mm-hmm, yeah. If I'm bringing his him... face-off percentage was terrible for years. Your point? Whose face-off percentage was terrible? Krejci's was not good for years. He was under 50% for several years. Okay. I I still think Miller's the better. I, I like Patterson. He's got talent. He's. I just don't think that he's going to fill that role. 
JT Miller can. See, I think I think that you can look at Pedersen if you don't have to give up the not very impressive farm system. Uh, <laughs> and it's not. And we'll get into that in just a minute. But if you can give up, if you can avoid giving up the not very impressive farm system for for uh, Pedersen, mm-hmm. a 23-year-old who should who should be playing 10 more years minimum in the league is better than a uh, is better than a 28-year-old who's arguably at the point where their skills are expected to start declining. Now, those curves have been blown completely out of the water by a couple of players recently. You know, Brad Marchand is laughing at the expectations. Alex Ovechkin Ovechkin is is moving too fast and hitting too hard to even notice the expectations. But until someone proves that they can do it, you really can't expect them to do it. Okay. Um, but you're 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 down on Miller, who's like I said, 28 years old. I'm not down on Miller. I'm saying that I would prefer Pedersen. Okay. Because you're getting five years more, and you if you can have him playing ten more years with McAvoy and Grizzlick and Carlo all behind him, and not have to think about replacing him for years. JT Miller, you really have to start think yeah, really has start have to have to start thinking about thinking about the replacement process three years from now. Because A, that's when his contract is up, and B at 31, 32, if he's if he's heading for that cliff, and a lot of forwards do fall off at like 32, 33, you basically need to draft this year or next year his replacement to give them a year or two to get NHL ready. Pedersen, you've got four or five years minimum before you need to think about that, unless he starts racking up major injuries. Okay. But he's already, he's not actually been, he's not actually avoided the injury bug in his short career. No, he hasn't. And I think that I think that some of that is that he was put into situations where I think of it, I think this is a lot like the Ryan Nugent Hopkins situation where he should have spent another year or two in the minors, uh, had those extra workouts uh, before making it to the NHL. And that's what's causing some of the injuries, because he's just not physically developed enough. Um, I mean, he's a, he, OK, he's. He's actually an inch taller than JT Miller, but he weighs 176 pounds. He's yes. a stick. Eat a sandwich. Put on a little bit of bulk so that when you actually go into a corner, I don't even know if he goes into the corners, but when you go into a corner and somebody hits you, you don't get hurt. Uh, I don't know if he's afraid that that might affect his speed or whatever. His faceoff percentage this year is a whopping 41.9%. That would be yeah. Patterson. Yes. And that's something that a lot of players learn to do better as they age. 
It's, and I'm not saying that he wouldn't learn under Patrice. I mean, Patrice could certainly school him up. I, I, I have no doubts about that. Yeah, you lean one way. I lean. I did, we're not going to agree on everything. I, I. Look, I, I'm not saying I would hate it if if if, if JT Miller landed in a Bruins uniform because I wouldn't. He's a really good player. Mm-hmm. But thinking longer term. And I think that Miller is a medium-term solution, which certainly has its place. I think that Patterson is a long-term solution. Oh, and I'm wrong about JT. He only has one more year on his deal. Okay, that changes things a little bit. For some reason, I thought he had three years left. He's only got one year left, and then he's a UFA. That would that's a, that's again a deal. I mean, it might be cheaper to get him, but I would still want permission as the Boston Bruins to talk to his agent about the extension, okay. like almost immediately, because you know he's going to get attention as soon as he gets close to UFA status. JT, yeah, yeah. And uh, Patterson actually has two more years, but he's slightly more expensive at seven point three five. Yes. But now, he's also an R. He's also an RFA at the end of his deal, so you have arbitration eligible, of course. But you have more chance of hanging on to him than you do JT. Correct. That does change things a little bit. Now uh, we mentioned the not very impressive prospect pool of Boston Bruins a few minutes ago. Not very impressive. Is that what you're not saying? There are like four players I expect to actually hit the NHL and cross 400 games uh, if they're healthy. Everyone else is at best a crapshoot. Um, Mason Black uh, on Twitter tweeted a pretty interesting list of the top 25 NHL prospects as ranked by uh, PNHLE. Um Looking at the list, mm-hmm. um, I see <clears throat> some familiar names. You know, Jack Quinn, Owen Power, who's also going to be at the Olympics this year. Yeah. Uh, you see. Lucas uh, Reisel. For, uh, you see players for the Vegas Golden Knights, which isn't surprising. They had a lot of draft picks when they when they came into the league. You see a couple of players for the Sabres, which isn't surprising. They keep ending up with loads of draft picks. Um, there's a player for the Nashville Predators. Again, not surprising. They draft, uh, especially defensemen, they draft pretty pretty well over there. There's an organization that doesn't have anybody on this list, though. Well, there's a few there's organizations. There's more than one. But as far as original six teams go... Yeah, there's there's no Boston Bruins <laughs> prospect. There's no Red Wings prospects either. I think that's because <clears throat> the Red Wings have a lot of youth on the big club now. I mean, they've moved up Moritz Sider. They've got Lucas Raymond. Um, they got Joe Valeno. They they've moved. Yes. They, they've, they've been moving. That's part of Eisenman's plan is get them in. Yeah, okay. They'll do a year down south and or, or in Adirondack, you know, down south. I mean, in the minors, and then they're bringing them up to the big club and letting them learn on the on the fly. 
which is why Blashill still has a a job as well. Um, but right. yeah, there's no there's no Bruins on this list, and how does that happen? It happens because you're not drafting and developing well. Ah. That could be a problem. And therein lies a big part of their inability to get some of some trades done and why, you know, they've had to keep John Moore as part of the system and why they signed, you know, Derek Forbert instead of whoever. Um, well, I, who were they going to sign instead of Derek Forbert? I mean... There were other UFA defensemen who probably would have made a better impact. I think Foboit's think done a pretty good job. I'm not saying he's been the second coming of anything, but I think he's done a pretty good job here. Derek Forbert has played like Derek Forbert this season. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I thought he'd done a little bit better than Derek Forbert. I'm not saying he's Drew Doughty or or, or uh, Adam Fox or, or, I don't know, pick a— Not Victor Hedman? I'm pretty sure he's not playing like Victor Hedman, no. But but then again, there is only one Victor Hedman. Um, yeah. But hes I don't think he's been as bad as people. Yes, he's made mistakes. But then again, the Hall of Famers made mistakes. The only one that I can truly rely on back there, there's only two defensemen that I truly rely on, and a third that, no, he makes mistakes too. And those two would Carl. be Brendan Carlo and Matt Grissom. Wow, you read my mind. <laughs> Matt Grizzlick is the best all around, the best and most well-rounded defenseman on the team. Yes. Brandon Carlo is the best defensive player, uh, de- defensive uh, best defender on the blue line. Yes. Um, the third player I trust on that defense, and you're not going to agree with this one, but I'm sorry, is Connor Clifton. I find it shocking that you would say that. He's been, he's been, he's been. So very, very shocking. He's been solid this season. He's made mistakes too. And so I'm I'm not saying that he's great. I am going to take my shock and put my hand on my phone and charge it completely. There you go. (laughs) Well, who are you going to say? Mike Riley? I mean. No, I, I, I. You're gonna t- honestly, Erho Vakaninen's actually been pretty good. Erho Vakaninen has restored my desire for faith in him. <laughs> He's actually played pretty well these last few games. I I have to say it. He was killing penalties and last season he looked terrible. Yes, before he did not look good at all. Um, you saw flashes in that 18-19 season where he came up for two games, but then he. But he got buried. Yep. But um, I'm somewhat optimistic about him at this point. Yes. Um, it it does not appear he is ever going to uh, lead the team, lead the blue line in scoring. Um, but he seems to be making solid plays <clears throat> and to and be, and making good reads on players. And he can pass. I mean, it helps that he can pass and skate well, but being in the right position is almost more important. I mean, we saw Aaron Ward stay in the league as one of the bottom 20 percent in speed for years. 
because he knew where he needed to be. It's not just about – yeah, I, I, and that's exactly what I was just about to say. Is it, It's not all about just speed. It's about positioning. If Charlie McAvoy wasn't as fast but was better at positioning himself and knowing where he needed to be as opposed to just where, you know, oh, hold on. That guy's skating by me again. I got to try and catch up to him. No. If you're in the right position in the first place, you wouldn't need all that speed to catch him. You know, so it's not just about the speed in, in, in that position. It's about knowing where you need to be and what's required. And, and I don't know that Charlie is as good as he may or may not be, depending on your argument. I He still hasn't figured all that out, and I don't get it. But um, what I really don't get is the fact that we can't have anybody on this list. I mean, is our, is, is the Bruins farm system that bad? Yes. Wow, um, that was a quick answer. <laughs> uh, Smart Hockey published on the 23rd a list of draft rankings. And mm-hmm. this is something that uh, if you're at all interested in, um, you need to dive into. Um, Shane Wright, Brad Lambert, Logan Cooley, top the list, all centers, Matt Savoy as well. Um, and that's Canada, USA, Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, first defenseman is David Juristic. Uh, and, this is, and this is from Smart Scouting, who Smart I, Scouting. I, I I must be honest, I haven't looked at them much lately. I used them a little bit last year, um, but David Juristic uh, uh, out of the Czech Republic is number five, first defenseman. Okay. Um. And they do not have a goalie in their top 50. Interesting. Uh, not to, not completely surprising, but interesting. Um, and they do have uh, decent draft reports on a lot of, on a lot of players, um, including a probably not, Related to the other Hughes, Jack Hughes, um, at Northeastern. Ah, uh, yeah, Westwood, Massachusetts. Um, his father played for the Lac St. Louis Lions in the 1980s, then played Division Three hockey for Middleborough College. Kent worked for Cortex Management as an NHL player agent. Uh, recently, oh wait, that's his father. I should have recognized that sooner. Um, okay. So yeah, his father is actually the new general manager of the Montreal Canadiens. Um, Kent Hughes. Matt Hughes, yes. Uh, playing the, the, the wait a minute, the former agent, Bergeron's former agent. agent, the former agent who is now. Um, the Montreal Canadiens general manager is the father of uh, Jack, Jack Hughes. Hughes of Northeastern and Westwood, Massachusetts, who is ranked 29th by Smod Hockey. Well, um, you know where he's getting drafted. Mm, yes, probably someplace not Montreal. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was thinking since he's going to go to school locally and he's from locally that he's probably going to, and he's ranked 29th, which puts him right around 
you know, right around whoever falls out in the third round. Uh, like oh wait, yeah, that's true. Round. I mean, it, 29th is going to be like semifinals, actually. Not sure the Bruins are going to be that far. He could, I mean, he could be available when the Bruins pick, but I, I kind of expect him to be. He is a center. Oh, look, they love centers in Boston. They that they do. And his name is Jack Hughes, so they can have one just like New Jersey does. Um, I don't know what his son uh, six six feet one sixty five according to this pro- profile. Uh, worth looking into. I, I mean, he's going to Northeastern, so he must have some talent. Um, thing is, Northeastern. Although we've seen players come out of there in one year, um, most of those were not especially good academically. Um, I kind of expect he'll stay at least two or three years there. He may even do all four. Um, Northeastern is much better known as an academic school than. Uh, no, I understand that. School. I understand that. Um, like players who go to Harvard tend to stay. Oh, absolutely. It's not like going to BU where you're one and done or two and done, Charlie. Well, that's because they're not lost. Ah. Okay. Anybody in the, on this list in particular that you are looking at? No. Uh, this is one of the first, like, mid-season draft reports that I've seen. And I really will probably sit down uh, this week and dive into it. A couple of other young players who I've seen uh, mentioned who will probably end up uh, going out in the second round, maybe the third. Owen Beck, um, Dominic Dominic Tiano, uh, OHL hockey writers, Mm -hmm. um, tweeted about him earlier. Um, Interesting player profile. This was actually written uh, and published yesterday on the 29th. Um, I don't know why Mississauga is being ignored, um, but I think that Beck will probably get drafted. Um, and I think that his uh, teammate, Luca Del Bell Belouz, um, there's a mouthful. We, who we is need having, to, we need to draft him just so Jack can say that name. Attempt to say that name like multiple attempt. times per game. But Luca Del Bell Blues is having a season that should have him should have his name in lots of people's mouths. Um, where did I see those stats? Where did I put them? Um, um, Owen Beck is what a oh he's a center. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so Luca Del Bell Blues of uh, the Mississauga Steelheads. 38 games, 20 goals, 30 assists, 50 points, uh, 16 PIMS, and is a plus 30 wow. this season. Not surprisingly, he leads the team in scoring. Um, 6'1", 180. Yep. Yeah. And then um, an overmeager. He's not especially highly ranked by anybody, which is kind of no. shocking. Yes, yeah, I see hockey has him 47th. Bob McKenzie and TSN have him 37th, his highest. And he's kind of all over the place. NHL Central Scouting for North American skaters has him 11th. But if they're limited to just North America. 
and North American skaters. So they're not even talking about European skaters or anything like that, which makes right. it really, really hard to project. But the kid who surprises me the most on that team, mm-hmm. James Hardy. Uh, he's now 20 years old, so January 18th of, tw- of 2002. Um, so go back to 1819. Yes, he had 22 points in 62 games. But last year, 59 games. James uh, Hardy. It's with 34 goals. And this year, in 38 games, 28 goals, 21 assists, 49 points, 21 pims, and a plus 26. Okay. Just based on last year, how has he missed? There's and I mean, usually with these type type of things and, and there are Is Mississauga just that hard to get to or something? Did they not allow scouts into the building or maybe there was only like four seats for scouts? I I don't understand. Mississauga Steelheads, I mean, it's not like they're an unknown team. I mean, he's only ranked in one, uh, according to Elite Prospects, he's eligible for this year's draft. I think this would be his second time through. But um, there's 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 an older scouting report from 2020. But... Ranking ranked 204th by NHL Central Scouting for uh, for um, North American skaters. Someone needs to grab this guy in like the fifth round and literally have the steal of the draft. It, he's not super big. He's not all that small. Six feet, 183 pounds. But not all players develop at the same speed. He's had two really solid years, including last year, which would have been a serious challenge. This year, which has been a challenge for young players. Why is this? Why is he not? I want to see him drafted. Like, okay, I'm putting together my draft board for the year of players I really want to see drafted. And I honestly almost don't care where he gets drafted. James Hardy needs to be needs to hear his name at the NHL draft this year. Because you said so. <laughs> look at the production. Just look at the production. If the production okay, if the production is there, there's got to be some other reason that he's not getting a look. Yes, it's probably a dumb reason. <laughs> Okay. What's his name again? James Hardy? James Hardy. And we shall I think I think we've run out of stuff that we have time to talk about this week, and we may have even run out of stuff to talk about this week. I think we've covered pretty much everything looking at the list here, yeah. Um, we will get to the comments, uh, on our, uh, on, uh, Podbean next week, um, include, uh, from Marcha, uh, they were, they, they deserve a few minutes of time and we just don't have it today. As always, uh, thank you for listening. Share with your friends, share with your neighbors, uh, borrow the phones of everyone you work with and make sure you add it to their podcast list. 
Um, Chris, have a great week. I will talk to you soon. Everyone get ready for the Olympics, the all-star uh, break, and, of course, the trade deadline insanity. And all which, that's all the silliness that it brings because it's starting already. Rumor, 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 I read last night, Marc-Andre Fleury to the Capitals. Discuss. Um, that would be awesome, at least as a discussion, because he'd get to play against the Penguins at some point. Again, yeah. and, and what I was Jersey. reading was he. I don't. They don't know whether he'd be able to handle. He he doesn't know whether he'd be able to handle that. I don't know. If there was some interesting Twitter action on this. Uh, somebody tweeted out that the deal was. Andre Fleury to the Capitals for Daniel Sprong, another player, and Ilya Samsonov. I don't see the the Capitals trading away their future goaltending for present goaltending, but okay, that's hilarious. Yes. Um, <clears throat> speaking of insanity, there's a January 28th article from Nick Goss on NBC Sports. And we're just we're just going to run through this. Hold your laughter till the end. Okay. Um, the first one isn't bad, but there's five players the uh, NHL Bruins should tr- uh, should pursue uh, as before or at or before the trade deadline. Yeah. JT Miller discussed. Score. Lawson Kraus, left wing, Coyotes, ten goals, ten assists, and forty games played. Phil Kessel, Arizona Coyotes, right wing, five goals, 22 assists, and 41 games played. No. Um, Riley Smith, right wing, Golden Knights, 11 game, 11 goals, 18 Wait. assists, and 42 goal, games played. Bring back played. Agent Smith? Ooh. Max Domi, center left wing, Blue Jackets, eight goals, 11 assists, and 31 games played. And there's your five, uh, Nick. Thank you. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is where we leave you. Have a great week.